God's grace and peace be with you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. From Psalm 28, the Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. Psalm 28, verse 7. We've talked several weeks in the past about uh, uh, the literary gift that the Bible is. It is written in different forms, like wisdom literature in the Proverbs and praise and uh, hallelujah songs to God in the Psalms. It is a historical narrative from Genesis and Exodus talking about how the wilderness uh, uh, travel affected God's people, the Israelites. Uh, it is a, a mix of different literary styles. Today, in uh, Old Testament text, we have kind of a prophetic style that talks about history as well. It's a wonderful marriage of prophecy and historical narrative. But it begins in the first verse of Isaiah 43. The Lord says, He who created you, he who formed you, fear not. I have redeemed you, and you are mine. So the 43rd chapter begins with that fact, that we belong to him. He has redeemed us. He has brought us into this world, and he has given us a new life. And our text begins today in verse 16. It keeps in mind what God has done. That's that historical part that God tells us. He reminds us what he has done. Isaiah says, verse 16, He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, he's talking about the Exodus. He's talking about what God accomplished among the Israelites. You know, they weren't always obedient to God's word like you and me. They weren't always willing to listen and to be molded like us. Oh, I say that tongue-in-cheek, so to speak. Now, we all fall. We all fall short of the glory of God. That's what Scripture says, and it's true. That's why it's important for us to remember how God works and how God is faithful to his people. So he's saying through the prophet Isaiah, remind the people what I did among the Israelites, how when they thought they would always remain in slavery that there was no way out, how I made a way for them and remind them about the separation of the seas and how I saved them and how I destroyed the Pharaoh's army who was chasing after them. Remind them that. And then while you're reminding that history to God's people, tell them about a prophecy, prophetic happening in the future. God says this, forget the former things and don't dwell on the past. Now, we've all been given that kind of advice, and we probably even gave that to advice for other people. Ah, forget about that. Don't worry about it, right? I have a hard time forgetting about what I did or about what I said or about what somebody did to me, you know, holding a grudge or whatever, which, of course, is not something that we do anymore. Forget the former things. Well, God is not just saying forget it about it and don't worry about it like we would do on a human level. He says don't worry about it and forget about it because I have already accomplished something for you. 
It's not just put it out of your mind. It's embrace the salvation that you already have been given. Every time we go backwards and think about the past and dwell on what we should have done or could have done or what somebody did to me or said against me, the moment we do that, we are, in a sense, putting a blind eye to what God has already done for us in Christ. He has brought us into his kingdom. He has provided grace and life and salvation. His faithfulness and his presence. So God is saying through the prophet here, remember the past, how I worked through them. Now remember your present right now. For us today, New Testament Christians, he is saying, you're born again. You were brought into the kingdom through the waters of holy baptism. In fact, Isaiah 43, 1 is a baptismal refrain that we understand. Every time we have a, a, a baptism here at Zion Lutheran Church, we have a banner that says, you are mine. It's taken from Isaiah 43, 1. It's a reminder that we have been marked by Christ the crucified, and we belong to him. And because of that action by God, on our behalf, we shouldn't think about the past. We shouldn't dwell about yesterday, but embrace today and look with hope to the future, to life with him. New Testament Christians, we go through the life's challenges of a broken and sin-filled world. We know that. But God has burst forth through that darkness, and he has given us that hope. That's what the Word of God tells us to embrace. And that's what Paul is telling us in the Philippian text today. Everything that I have ever achieved, he says, going through the ranks of theological education, everything that I am, that I have ever done, that I think I have achieved myself, he says, I consider all of those achievements garbage. It's rubbish. It's rubbish compared to what God has done for me in Jesus Christ. Huh. I no longer have to earn my salvation. I don't have to work my way to get into God's graces. Because he says here, it is through faith in Christ that the righteousness comes to me. It's on the basis of faith and trust in him. And Paul is just shouting from the rooftops. I want to know more about my Jesus. I want to know Christ, he says in verse 10. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I haven't attained to the fullness yet, but that's where I am pressing on forward. That's the encouragement for you and me today. We know about the rebirth through waters of holy baptism. We are going to celebrate the resurrection in two weeks. Hold on to that. God will grow us more and more into the knowledge of that personal resurrection that God gives you and me. Resurrection is for all people 
to come and embrace in faith, but it's a personal gift. That's what Easter morning is, one that we embrace each and every single day. This day that Paul wrote this to the Philippian church wasn't Easter morning. What he's telling us is that each and every single day can be and should be an Easter morning where we know Christ that much better, that much more. That's the gift of the gospel to always alive, always living in our hearts. That's what Paul is straining toward, he says. That's what our faith is about, straining toward what God has already achieved and attained for us. And the gospel reading, which you really, really have to read again, when you get back home today, reread with new eyes and the power of the Holy Spirit, the gospel reading from John 12. Because we have here a witness from St. John of what was taking place. I love the text because the text is so real and it's so incredible. It's so ordinary and yet it's so miraculous. He's telling us historical narrative. This is what happened six days before the Passover. Jesus is coming to Bethany where Lazarus lived. And it's the same Lazarus who Jesus raised from the dead, by the way. And we're having a dinner. And it's given in Jesus' honor. And Martha was serving. You can see him telling us he's reliving it. It's as if you went on a trip and you're sharing what your experience was with someone else. And you're taking them through this narrative, what you experience, that's what John is telling us right now. See it through John's eyes. Martha is serving Jesus and others and Lazarus, who was dead but now is alive, was among them reclining at the table. I still can't get out of verse 2. I'm sorry. Lazarus, who was dead, is now having dinner with Mary, and she's serving. And then he writes in verse 3, Mary took a pint of pure nard. Again, about a pint of pure nard. So he's remembering this as if it was yesterday. She didn't just take a vessel of pure nard, expensive perfume, but she picked it up and mm, it was about a pint. You know, give or take. And it was very, very expensive and she poured it on Jesus' feet and then she took her hair and wiped Jesus' feet with her hair. And then he says with the senses of what he is witnessing and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. He's reliving it again. Ordinary and miraculous. And of course, Judas was there. 
and he wants to know why this expensive perfume wasn't sold and given to the poor. Talk about missing the miracle. Talking about thinking about self. (laughs) We have the miracle of Jesus all around us, all the time. I'm not comparing us to Judas, don't get me wrong here. But sometimes we miss the miracle of Jesus right in front of us. You should be straining toward that miracle that Paul writes about. Relive it again and again through the means of grace. You're going to come this morning. You're going to receive the body and blood of Jesus. You're going to smell the fragrant wine. And it's going to remind you of the great sacrifice and love that Jesus has for you. You're going to receive it fully. Bread and the wine, the body and the blood. And you will know the life of Christ that is pulsing inside of you. You will know that this is your Lord. This is your Savior. This is your God. Oh, to go forward during this Lenten journey and to share what God's grace has done for us. Wouldn't it be awesome to leave church this morning? Go out, whether it's for brunch or to visit with family or friends. Someone asks you, how was your day? And you tell them the experience of receiving the Lord's Supper. Huh? What do you think they'd say? Let me tell you. I went to church this morning and I received the presence of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I received his body and his blood. I received his grace and I received his love. Oh, to be like the Apostle John and to relive the great experience and miracle of what God is giving to us today. That's my prayer for us in this Lenten journey. To receive it with joy, to experience it in its fullness, and then go and share it with those who are in our midst. Like John, let me tell you what God has done for me today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.